What's up, bitches? I'm Gaia. And I'm Nita, and this is Bitch Why. Our podcast where we talk about all the things we like and dislike and why anyone would make them. We're just a couple of artsy bitches learning what makes art good and how to talk about it. Let's talk about some things that we're snacking on. A snack is uh is a little is a little morsel of thing that's making you feel alive, awake, alert, enthusiastic. Nita, what are you snacking on? Okay. Um, so California's on fire currently. Um, yeah, I'm very stressed about it. Yeah, because um, someone wanted to have a party and celebrate whether or not their child had a penis. And I just am, like, very annoyed by the concept of gender reveals. I've already been annoyed by the concept of gender reveals, but, like, now I just feel like more so I am just, like, fully fuck this thing, fuck this whole thing. Even the woman who first originated gender real- reveal parties is, like, stop please stop like this is the <laughs> stupidest thing um i'm so sorry Can the I... cisgenders please stop like enough but my snack is this book called parenting beyond pink and blue it is good i'm not pregnant and i'm not having children anytime soon i just want to like clarify Proud I'm, just of you. Reading, I'm just reading this parenting book uh because i one i want to deprogram myself from like all of the ways that i grew up internalizing gender and gender stereotypes types but also it's just interesting to see how we would potentially raise Gaia how would you and I raise our kids um like our <laughs> child? when we um, have children when we how have we our, will raise our little children. babies how will we raise them but um the book was written by a, a white woman um it came out in like F. 2014 no there's nothing wrong with the fact that it was written by a white woman she's very smart and lovely but I think I just really wish that uh, if someone knows of like a book that's kind of like this but kind of pertains more to cultural aspects that lie outside of the West, that would be really helpful because there's just, like, things she'll talk about that I'm like, "Mm, I can't do that. Like, I just can't do that. She'll be like, so I just, like, tell my my mother-in-law not to get my children any gifts ever. And I'm like, if I did that, I would get in so much trouble. (laughs) I just want a book that's a little more culturally competent. But for right now, I will take this book. I've just been snacking on it. And also just like, like fully, uh, the more I read it and the more I just like think about gender, I'm like, gender is so stupid. And I might fully just like go full they them. Like I really might. Gender's not it. People will still refer to me as she, and I'm like, this is incorrect. Like, I don't know why it just, like, feels so gross now. Anyway, that's my, that's my snack. Uh, what are you snacking on? So, one of my hosts has two adult children, and they come and, like, visit us from time to time. And her son came by this weekend. He comes by every so often, and he's an expert in HEMA, which is Historical European Martial Arts. So he brings... (laughs) He brings his swords. He has swords. He brings them every time and he teaches me how to use them. So he's been teaching me how to fight with a sword. Guy, if I don't get a TikTok of you... Fighting with a sword? It's what the people deserve. It is. We'll put it on the Instagram. (laughs) We did what I... The world needs to see this. It's like very fun. I feel very prepared for any impending duels so if anyone is interested in a duel i'm i'm in maine i'm ready to duel wow speaking of badass people with swords um what are we talking about <laughs> <laughs> what a terrible segue <laughs> that um, was a segue we're talking about mulan this week mulan 2020 ugh, yes the 2020 version of mulan no doubt we will be referencing the 1998 version as much as possible it's just time for a little roadmap of Bitchy the <laughs> podcast. This episode is made up of four parts. Bitch what? An introduction to what we're talking about. Bitch how? A little, a little mechanical, technical, um, artistical rundown of how it wins and how it loses as a piece of art. I'm experimenting with new words. Bitch time. Three minutes of us just vomiting words into microphones and seeing what sticks. And bitch, why? Uh, some of the implications. Why anything matters at all. And the bitch meter, which is our diversity, diversity score meter. Divorce-ities. Um, divorsity. <laughs> I'm drinking like... a beer. Oh, so we will be releasing a bitch, why bingo card on the, on the Instagram if anyone wants to 
listen and play along and tell us if you get bingo listening to one episode. The first person to get bitch why bingo gets something. Yeah. And you have to tell us what episode you got bingo on. Yeah. Amazing. Let's just like get into it. It's time for bitch what. Nita, how did you come across it? Uh, I was born the same year the first one came out. Um, 98, baby. I have the Mulan VHS. I love Mulan. I've never not loved Mulan. Uh, she's a badass. Uh, but the new one, I have a Disney Plus account. But I split it with people, so we are not giving Disney separately, like, $10 a month. Uh, I only give Disney, like, 2 a month. And then my friends and I all went, like, went halvesies on the movie because I did not want to pay $30 for this dog shit. Um, but how is everyone familiar with Disney now? Capitalism. That's all. How did you get into, how did you first get into Mulan? That was so depressing. Were we all born knowing Mulan? You know how everyone knows the lyrics to Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah. Everyone knows Mulan. You're born knowing the lyrics to I'll Make a Man Out of You. Did you know there were only four songs in Mulan? Yeah. But every single one of them is a banger. Yeah. Oh, I don't like the, um... The honor one? No, I like that one. I don't like A Girl Worth Fighting For is, like, not my favorite. I don't know. I have a good time. I just It's, like, a good time. It's just, like, silly fun in the way that all the other ones are, like so incredibly intense but i get why it is there because immediately that turn into the, the darkness pivot, of the, the that pivot is sexy yeah i was bored knowing mulan i mean i don't yeah. remember the first time i watched it but i certainly remember always knowing about it i remember being really sad like in terms of the 2020 mulan i remember hearing they were cutting the music and they were and then being sad about it but i didn't remember having that memory until i was watching the mulan and i was the new mulan and i was like why aren't they singing what and it was very sad. Singing? At the farmer's market, I sell beef, ch- pork, and chicken. And so I think about Mulan every time I set up the stand because I think of the, like, beef, pork, <laughs> pork chicken. Chicken. Mm. <laughs> um, I just remembered a memory of listening to True to Your Heart, which is the Stevie Wonder 98 Degrees song that's in the credits of the original Mulan. Like, over and over again, I would, like, rewind the VHS tape just so I could listen to that song in the credits. The fact that, like, Stevie Wonder, like, did multiple songs for this movie, A1. It's amazing. Legendary. Legendary. So, Mulan is based off of a Chinese poem, Ballad of Hua Mulan, uh, which is a legend about a female Chinese warrior who lived in the period of the Northern Wei Dynasty. I hope I said that correctly. It's from 400 AD. It's not a very detailed piece of writing. I think it's like 300 and something words. It's really short. Um, But for the most part, like both of the variations are faithful to the text. But Mulan served for 12 years in the poem. Ah, there's something else that's different, but but that is it. I also think like it's something that's interesting in bringing up is that um, the ballad was probably based on a piece of oral history. Right. I've been really into oral history recently um, because my host family is really into oral history and I just think it's sexy. That is sexy. There's a few other versions of this story, which I just I, I think that that's something that's so interesting when we talk about, like, authenticity, and we'll maybe talk about this a little bit later, but, like, the fact that there's so many different versions of the story floating around means that there's kind of no, like, true version of what this is, and that's kind of how it is in, like, Indian mythology and history um, and stories. Like, these things are all just, like, passed down, and, like, your version can vary a little bit, but, like, that's still, like, your version. I also like how, like, when we adapt stories that were originally oral history, they kind of, the act of adaptation is kind of like an act of retelling, which is, like, what the form of the story is for. So I just think it's sexy. I think that's, like, a fun, sexy, like, continual, like, mimetic of the original thing. Yeah. It's unfortunate Disney's so bad at, like, remaking and readapting their own yeah, if only Disney thing. was good at things. If only they if only they thought about it the same way you're thinking about it, which is like from a place of love and like this is a gift to like of like readapting and retelling this story. 
But alas, uh, there's no room for love in capitalism. Uh. Good thing that our whole podcast <laughs> is called Bitch Why, because otherwise us always talking about the implications would not be the right thing You're for our right. formula. <laughs> Correct. Let me give you the rundown. My sis Mulan, um, hanging out, living her life, bringing honor to her family. Wait, Mulan is sis? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Never say that word to me oh. ever again. <laughs> you said my sis Mulan. My um, sister sorry. Mulan is hanging out. Um, she's <laughs> she's getting match made, and uh, she's she's revealed to be like through a series of shenanigans. She ends up being like unworthy of a husband. And in finding out about that, she also finds out that her father has been conscripted to serve in the Chinese army for this war. A with second this, term. For his second term for this war with this kind of impending evil force, which is a witch lady who's a warrior also. And a guy who, I don't know, is he ever explicitly stated to be Mongolian? His name is Bori Khan. He's basically just Sean Yu from the original. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's not, they don't explicitly say what he's he is. He's coded to be Mongolian, from. which is interesting, giving yeah. some context that we'll talk about during Bitch Why. Mulan decides to take his place, join the army. She learns about what it means to be a warrior and a man and what it means to bring honor to her family. And her journey with hiding her sex from the other soldiers and with figuring out what it means to be a soldier um, is basically the movie. Shenanigans yeah, ensue. The movie. It's time for Bitch How, where we get to talk about what's going on here. Amazing. I like two things about this movie. One, I liked that they talk about the specificities of what it means to present as a man. They show that she's wearing a binder. Oh, I have to talk about that. And the only other thing I liked... <laughs> I can't even remember the only other thing I liked. Tell me the one thing you liked. The one thing I liked was the moment where Mulan and the new like pseudo love interest in this movie were hanging out and talking about like what like their future brides will be like and the guy mm, is like mm-hmm. the guy is like i wonder if she'll like me and mulan is like she will and i was like ooh yeah <laughs> something that i thought was interesting cuz it was a thought i had when i was watching it and then i didn't know if they did this on purpose but apparently they did is the shang stand in uh, I like that he's not a general because that like relieve it like gets rid of that weird power dynamic. Um, yeah, even though sexy. in the original, like he doesn't really pursue anything with her until she's not in his army anymore. Uh, and like I read a thing where people are like, it's actually really not that bad that he was a general and she was a soldier. But I guess if they're gonna take it out to make it less weird, they took it out, and I'm like, okay, cool. Doesn't really ro- warrant an entire remake for me, but um. Though that's it. Except, but then also, like, there's no, she just, like, touches his hand. The, like, inherent yearning of just, like, uh, the finger the hand touching. And I was like, girl, like, hold his hand, please, like, do something. And then she just, like, she just gets on her horse and leaves. She says nothing. She's just like, bye. And then she, like, leaves. That's called bad script writing. Uh, it's like that ba- scene terrible in, script writing. in the second Fantastic Me- Beast movie that we talk about where they're all on the bridge and, like, Newt and Dumbledore, like, just, like, walk away and everyone else is standing on the bridge. Yeah. I mean, that's telling me that, like, you didn't give her enough to do. And so she's just like, okay, bye. Like, there's nothing, like, did you not think about, like, anything that they... There's also, like, no... For the amount of time that this movie spends, uh like trying to retell this story and adds what is it pads like 40 minutes of runtime on the original there's no extra character development really Mm -hmm. all the side characters are actually like i know nothing about them like cricket is a whole new character because he's basically just uh, a stand-in for the actual little animal cricket from the original and there's nothing like in that scene where he like it looks like he's dead but he's not actually dead it's like a fake out Mm -hmm. i didn't care I didn't care. And I did I like I cared about no side characters in this movie. Half the time I didn't know what Mulan was thinking or feeling because 
as our friend Jocelyn um, so kindly messaged us uh, this, like, takedown of this actress. This, this quote is from an article I'll link in the show notes. But they say, this actress is really pretty, but she's really afraid of being ugly and doesn't dare to make any facial expressions. And also, like, I guess the reason why Mushu works so well in the original is, like, he's a voice to bounce off of Mulan when she's, like, deciding to whether or not to do something. But even without Mushu, there's scenes in the original movie where, like, the emotional journey is, like, in the music and it's on Mulan's face and it's, like, in her entire cartoon body. Like, the part where she cuts off her hair Mm -hmm. and, like, picks up her dad's armor and then places the comb in in place of the scroll like and you see on her face like the emotional uh the emotional weight of of like having to make this decision and and join the army in her father's place like you feel the stakes but in this in this version like they cut that whole part like she just picks up the sword and then she's off and i was like i feel nothing like, i feel nothing for mulan i feel nothing for like shang stand in i feel nothing about this witch character i don't care about the villain's motives there's nothing that's like emotionally tethering me to this movie i mean i think like like the acting really suffers from like this movie is a drama disease which mm, is like mm-hmm. this idea that when a movie decides that it's no longer a comedy like that it is a drama movie all the actors decide that like all the actors like internally stiffen and like decide that they like can't Mm. smile and they can't like have like they they can't ever like live in a moment because it is a drama and every moment is heavy and like that's a huge problem with the script the script is really terrible at levity um, but it it also just kind of like strips the personality from the characters. Like I think Mulan in the original one, even though Mulan the the original Mulan is pretty clearly a drama. Like I wouldn't call it a comedy. It, there's still like enough levity, and actually like the way that it balances drama and levity is really complex and unique. Like the the shift from a girl with fighting for to the scene in the village is a really like yeah. fascinating moment of like intentional tonal dis dissonance that brings the story to life and Mm -hmm. i think it also makes for a more complex discussion of masculinity like combining these moments of kind of the quote-unquote boys will be boys like goofiness and (laughs) kind of caricature of what it means to be a man but also combining all these different types of masculinity it juxtaposes the extremities of manhood where you have like the goofy boys will be boys thing and then also like the inherent destruction that like comes with this like emphasis on manhood like when they go into war and and then the thing that is emblematic of the destruction of war is a little children's doll yeah i wish i could critique this movie on its own but there's too much of the old movie that i have to rely on to fill in the blanks of this new narrative it's in the score. The script has nods to the original that, like, is asking me to just, like, fill in the blanks. So I fully can't, like, I don't think this movie can stand on its own, so I'm not gonna, like, try to critique it as if it is. There's all this, like, really frustrating, like, it just, like, pisses me off whenever an actor speaks a line from a song. It's, like, so dumb. In talking about how the 1998 Mulan does masculinity really fabulously and explores it in a way that's super nuanced, this movie, even though, like, this movie kind of sets out to have a more feminist i think it's trying to be more feminist than the original mulan and have a more feminist retelling of mulan i think this movie really emphasizes there being an inherent difference between women and men and that Mm, difference mm -hmm. being insurmountable and unavoidable because a lot of this movie is about her like the movie trying to get her to accept that she is fundamentally a woman regardless of what she does Mm. and the original Mulan doesn't really have that problem even though she's trying to hide that she's a woman um it's kind of played for laughs like and I think that's to be honest I think I prefer that to this which is all about her like being essentially a woman and I think that ties into what I wanted to talk about about queerness in this movie watching this movie made me realize how much I thought about the original Mulan as a trans narrative because it's Mm -hmm. so willing to be queer. I was rereading the lyrics to Reflection 
and re-listening to it and just extremely moved by it as an adult. There's this line in it that kind of hit different, which is, if I were truly to be myself, I would break my family's heart. When will my reflection show who I am inside? Like, all about, like, like learning to, like, marry your external experience with your internal experience feels, like, extremely trans. And then this movie, instead of leaning into the queerness and transness of the narrative it really takes efforts to shake it off and is really rejecting it i also i want to talk about the binding scene because i actually really disliked it um oh interesting i wear a binder every day in my life um it's like a really standard part of my day-to-day life and i get really frustrated with binding being presented on screen First of all, I don't like the way that people present binders like literally most of the on-screen binding you see is with bandages, which is extremely dangerous. Um, If you're Mm -hmm. a young transmasculine person and you're experimenting with binding, please don't use ace bandages or any type of bandages or duct tape. Like that is extremely dangerous. A lot of what I really have a problem with it is it being presented as this extremely painful, harrowing repressive act because usually scenes on screen i don't know if i've ever seen a screen of a trans man or a trans masculine person binding usually it's scenes of cis women like repressing themselves and the binding scene is like Mm. them like pressing themselves down and like hiding themselves and it's viewed as so painful and awful and binding I wouldn't say is my favorite part of my everyday life. I think that there are a lot of ways in which it damages my health that I don't like and that it's important to be aware of when talking about trans health. But also, like, binding is an extremely important part of my life as well and an extremely affirming part of my life. And so to see it always portrayed on screen as this harrowing, awful, oppressive, heart-wrenching act At best, it kind of makes me roll my eyes, and at worst, it's just kind of, it's, like, hurtful to see. Mm. You know what? I didn't even think about it that way. I will admit, I was, like, on my phone half this movie. I looked up, and I didn't see, like, any, like, painful expression on her face. I was just like, oh, cool, they acknowledge that, like, she has titties, and that she probably thought, I shouldn't have titties right now. Uh, and I thought, like, ah, nice, nice practical explanation of, like, the thing. I also don't like that she doesn't cut her hair. Yeah. uh, In this movie, because that's such a powerful moment. Again, in the animated version, it's an incredibly powerful moment. It is, like, her deciding, like, that, like, vanity and, like, her quote-unquote, like, femininity is less important than, like, upholding, like, like, she values the life of her the lives of her family so much more than she does like these these like superficial things that she's been asked to uphold the same way and she's like no fuck that like truly fuck that like i have a job to do i rescind my binder statement i wasn't even paying attention it's like not something that you often think about like if you don't wear a binder every day a lot of people don't know what a chest binder is or what binding mm. is as like a verb of something you do to like that's true affect your appearance and so those scenes are the only like interaction they have with binding yeah well it's worse when the witch is like break like breaks the binder like that's the i think then that that's where it gets muddy and is like not great because the witch is like hey actually to unleash unleash your full power you have to be cis yeah This 2020 movie is like, Mulan, you are a cis woman. There's nothing about you that isn't a cis woman. You are fundamentally different from these men. Disney plays this as, it's almost like this is, this. it's not necessarily this insidious, but it's almost like this kind of like piece of turf rhetoric that is like, like, why would you ever want to be a man? Like when you could be a woman, like, is this your sexism wanting you to be a man? And that really rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. And I get then why she didn't cut her hair, because then when she rides through the Borikon's army, she's in this, like, red feminine gown, and her hair is, like, flowing. My sister was like, that's not- why'd she take her armor off? 
My sister was like, yeah. why did she take her armor off? She's bit, like, she has to fight. And she just fully was like, no, titties out. And I was like, what's happening here? Like, what is going on in this movie? When I was studying martial arts, like, my, like, <laughs> internal, like, Krav Maga person was so, like, pissed off at the long hair. Like, sisters, someone's gonna pull your hair. Yeah. Like, like put it in a ponytail. Okay, literally. Like, I get that shit out of your was... face. <laughs> When I was, like, 14, I was uh, incredibly possessed by the idea that a zombie apocalypse would happen. And my first, my first, like, I had a game plan. The first part of that game plan, shave my head. Because don't want a zombie to grab in my hair and then I'm dead. So put your hair Shave up. your head anyway. Why don't the Lady Avengers have a hair tie? Someone give Black Widow a hair tie. Someone give Thor a goddamn hair tie. If you're worried about, like, self-defense and you have long hair, put your hair in braids or, like, put Mm -hmm. it under a hat where people can't pull it. Like, make good choices about your hair. This is self-defense with Bitch Y. Here at Bitch Y, we believe in cutting all your hair off and having a big transgender realization because of it. Fuck yeah. Okay, I need to talk about this witch lady. I'm so angry. Okay, well, first thing, so she can turn into a hawk, correct? Who does yeah. that remind you of? Miss Nagini. Nagini. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how many Asian women are secret animals? Like, I'm so... What does it mean? What are the implications here? <laughs> well, okay, well, actually, I was talking with our friend Alyssa about this. Um, Alyssa is super cool. I guess I will plug her in the show notes. Uh, she's in the All Asian Arts Alliance uh, with me, and uh, she she's just, like, a badass. But I called her because she wanted to talk about this movie, and we actually came to the conclusion that, like, this actually happens way more often. Like, when we talk about Twilight, uh, we'll talk about the ways in which indigenous people are linked to wolves like they literally explicitly are quote-unquote descended from wolves in the twilight universe and then you have nagini who's a secret nagini who's a secret asian woman and then the hawk i thought like since this villain bori khan is exactly like shan yu who also has a hawk i guess i was like are they retroactively telling us that that hawk in the animated one has been an asian lady this entire time I'm so tired of this. Like, what are the implications? Oh my god, of this? they retconned the hawk. They retconned the hawk. They said, "Oh, that was secret representation." <laughs> like, J.K. Rowling wrote this movie. <laughs> so the lady, what's her fucking name? Uh, Nikki Caro, who who directed this movie, she was like. I took several research trips to China before filming began. I spoke to historians and, like, brushed up on the original story. And, like, this is how I feel about, like, people um, who are mainland Chinese. And, like, I want this story to feel like it comes from everyone's village. And I just was like, bitch, shut up. Like, I can imagine you at the airport reading a copy of Eat, Pray, Love. Like, I... <laughs> tired but but i feel like again you have this villain who could have been really interesting and i think it's so funny that we did um spider-verse and black panther because now after having like discussed both of those i have so much to say about this villain like you have a point where she's been like oppressed and radicalized by her oppression and she references that she's like as a woman and like a witch who basically i guess she also has is able to quote-unquote harness chi in the same way that mulan does but there's nothing like interesting about her she's not like fleshed out i don't understand where her motives lie why does she side with mulan in the end is it because of like hashtag disney feminism hashtag like woke disney stuff she like dies at the end am i supposed to feel something for her um i don't and the fact that she is like a scary witch lady also i just like i and this and, and also the original mulan doesn't really incorporate magic um i guess the only thing that you could say is magic is mushu i guess but like that's more of like uh like a thing about ancestors but it's weird to me that they added magic in this one i feel like it adds to this like gross mysticism stereotype like an asian story doesn't need to have magic in it I just, like, fully 
I hated it. I hated it. I just fully. I mean, the like hashtag Disney feminism is such a scourge, such a scourge on like feminism, on on like equality, on anti-racist efforts. Like it's so simplistic and exhausting and frustrating to see Disney people like boil feminism down to people saying that women can't fight like exhausting and then I think something that they do that's actually insidious is that they place these by placing these in like either all white or all non-white universes they like remove any intersectional discussions that they could have had about feminism Mm. and what Mm -hmm. intersectionality could mean in these contexts because in the context of this movie everyone is east asian and in the context of um, Aladdin, everyone is ambiguously brown. And in the context <laughs> of Beauty yeah. and the Beast, everyone is white. So yeah. they, like, explicitly distance themselves. Well, you know what? It gets more confusing in Lion King when black people are mostly lions and then everyone else is, like, allowed to be white. It's very confusing that like John Oliver yeah. like it's like again and again and like that's also like the equating of like people of color with animals in like a gross way and we'll maybe release our Lion King episode as like a bonus thing but it is bad like I will have you all know that it's structurally like bad because we were still learning we did have some hot takes we did have some really hot takes but like I just think that like oh like Asian people deserve so much more than this like we deserve I'm saying we because I'm South Asian but like This also goes into the Aladdin thing of, like, when they made the live-action versions of these movies, they were like, we went to China, we went to the Middle East. Where in the Middle East did you go, first of all? Like, did you go to Pakistan? Or did you go to, like, where did you go? Like, tell me where and then base it off that one place rather than making some, like, ambiguously brown place again. Because, Because, again, like, when they say they're remaking the movie, it feels like they're trying to, like, retroactively fix all of the weird stereotypes, but in the cartoon movies that are based in another culture, they fuck it up again when they do this live-action version, and if anything, they fuck it up in different ways. Like, I feel like this Mulan introduces magic in a way that that adds to mysticism stereotyping and, like, equating Asian culture with, like, woo-woo stuff. Like, it feels like the same way when when white people talk about chakras in our acting classes. I've only mm-hmm. ever seen one person uh, who's actually going to be a teacher at our school next, uh, this semester. Um, I've only ever seen one person explain chakras in a way that makes sense um, and is, like, handled properly. But Again, and, like, the the thing with, with Chi, I found a really cool YouTube video of a guy explaining Chi. Actually, the movie Kung Fu Panda explains Chi better than this movie. <laughs> yeah, I was mad confused about the whole Chi thing. Okay, so Chi is... Because Chi is, like, a real concept. Yeah, Chi is a real concept. Chakras are a real concept. These are things that actually have a lot of basis in scientific fact and study. And it's unfair that they keep getting used to, like, explain away magic and just be like, oh, she's got magic. She can, like... And I'm like, that's not what Chi is. Uh, Chi is literally just, like, an energetic force that is around all of us. And it's like a bioelectric energy. I also think that giving Mulan chi powers uh, takes away her autonomy as a person who works her way up in the ranks and, like, is fully capable. Like, all she does is go to war to save her dad and then works really fucking hard to be the best soldier she can be, all the way to the point where in in original versions of the story she becomes basically like a general and like leads an army so like i don't understand like giving her these this chi power is just like it gives me chosen one energy it gives me like like okay well she's special and so it takes away the feeling that like i felt when i watched mulan the original one of like oh my god even i could go and like do something like as fucking cool as that if i just like work really hard because like mulan is just a hard worker yeah, it's like the polar opposite of the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse ever anyone can wear the mask. It sucks because like one of the only interesting things that I found in this movie, I found another thing I liked about this movie, oh. but like they <laughs> negated it, so okay, don't cool. worry. Um is like there's this like 
thing that happens every time the like villain is called a witch, she's like, no, I'm a warrior. Um, yeah. But that's completely negated by the idea that the entire thing Mulan has to do is embrace her chi. Yeah. And then she's automatically a warrior. Exactly. But she's not a witch. She's a warrior. She's just a lady. I like that Mulan is just a girl. Also, like, she's so clever in the original. Like, when she decides to start that avalanche, you don't see the thought process in this version mm-hmm. of her, like, deciding, oh, my God, wait, this is, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I got this, I'm going to fix this. To be honest, like, the more I, like, discuss it with you, the more, like, insidious, like, cis stuff is, like, built into the fabric of this movie. Yeah. That was, like, I think explicitly rejected in the first movie. I agree. Um, I also feel like... Which I guess is on brand. Okay, one, cultural authenticity is not fucking real. Like, my authentic experience of being a Indian person is incredibly different from, like, the next Indian person. And so when white people go into these places, like, when they claim to, like, go to the Middle East, quote-unquote, to make Aladdin, or when Nikki Caro went to China to make Mulan, just going there and, like, meeting people isn't enough. Why don't you just fucking hire uh, a Chinese director? Because the thing about authenticity is you take someone who understands their own experience and then can uh, infuse it into the artistic direction of the thing but because of the way that this movie's handled in terms of like it's outwardly representative of east asian people but the entire behind the scenes team is all white you can tell a white person wrote this from like the the chi conversation um like say chi one more fucking time like Take a shot every time they say chi. I'm like, this is the only word that you know. It looks so, like, the the set design sometimes, like, looks really gritty and real. But then sometimes it looks, like, insanely cartoony. And I feel like that's kind of what Aladdin did. Like, in Aladdin, it looks like half the time this is on a soundstage. And, like, these colors are, not that they're too vibrant, but they're too, like, like, it looks like an animated film, and, and not in a good way. And then, like, why did you just live-action it? Yeah, Why exactly. did you live-action it? Because I thought if they were going to do Aladdin or they're going to do Mulan, if you said you, you visited these places, like, why didn't you make this actually look like this place? Like, I, like, Alyssa was saying, like, I've never seen a village that looks like that. Do people just, like, live in, like, one big circle like that? I've never seen this before. And my dad, um, this is different, and I've been trying to find any sort of, like, I've been doing a lot of reading on, like, the architecture that they used and, like, the set design of this movie, but there's nothing, there's, it's been out for, like, a few days. There's not a lot. My dad worked for Sony for a long time, and so he worked in Japan a lot. And so something he kept saying as we were watching this is he's like, this architecture looks, like, incredibly Japanese, but I'm not gonna, he was like, but I don't know. But it does, but I don't know. And I was like, okay, that's like just interesting to note that it feels like they're conglomerating all these different parts of Asia, again, kind of in the same way as Aladdin. And again, I can't speak on the architecture because I don't know and there's not enough out there because this movie's only been out for so long. This still doesn't feel rooted in a real place. And if you're gonna, if you're gonna claim to represent a real place, then like do the actual work of representing a real place, like pick somewhere. Don't just say this is in the Middle East, pick. Like I want you to make a fucking decision and then follow through with it. And they didn't. I mean, they like don't. Disney... In all the live action remakes, they they come across this issue of like the the classic problem that we talk about a lot: the brown is brown is brown is brown, mm-hmm. which is like, oh yeah, we're gonna do the Lion King. Yeah, it takes place in Africa, or <laughs> we're gonna do Aladdin. It takes place in the Middle East. Like those are fucking big ass places. Africa is a continent. I know. Asia is a continent. Asia Asia is a continent, and then India is so big that it's a China has seven. China yeah. has a billion people in it like a billion billion like the amount of cultural diversity in china alone oh like yeah like you can't make a chinese story and it's not a like big it's it's so big so like just pick and she was like i want it to feel like we're in and it can come from any kid's village and i'm like okay that's like, okay, you think every chinese village is gonna be the same you think they're all gonna look the same ma'am um you think there's some universal experience of being in a Chinese village <laughs> that every Chinese child thing, is going to be able to, about, like, draw? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about, like, Aladdin, I wanted Aladdin to be an Indian story growing up. And I'm sure, like, 
other kids from other parts of, again, the Middle East is a stupid term because it's just a way of othering brown countries in countries that are actually uh, Asian or just African also. But anyway, Middle Eastern kids want it to be a Middle Eastern story, but at the end of the day, it was written by three white men. So, like, how are we going to decide who it's for if they couldn't even decide, like, who to make it about? And I think, like, I know we've come a long way from 1998 Mulan. Like, we have Moana now. And again, that's probably still not perfect, but they created, like, an entire collective and and figured out, okay, what's the best way to tell this story? Something Alyssa was talking about, which is so fascinating, uh, I didn't even think about this, is the way in which Pixar has years to storyboard their movies. They, like, they spend years on just, like, the plot and the, and the characters and creating the thing, and then they don't even announce the movies until, like way later versus like the remakes avengers star wars all this shit is like planned to the t so i don't understand why it's still fucking bad um because they had all this time to work on it but with pixar you can tell there's just so much more of a focus on character and like story development and then with with like these remakes there's like a hastiness with which they like churn these movies out and i feel like no one was actually paying attention on cultural uh competency but they claim that they have been if anything i feel like 1998 mulan is a better cultural representation what i think disney does with these remakes and with basically all of their movies all of their recent movies especially is try and create the most neutral movie possible Mm -hmm. that will appeal to the broadest possible audience and make as few cultural, political, or um, social statements as necessary mm-hmm. in order to have a story that has any sort of interest. So, like, we were talking about, like, the hashtag Disney feminism um, and that being, like, insidious. And I feel like the the thing that they do is they go in there and they're like, okay, how are we going to get the feminists, <laughs> the the turfs the anti-feminists the trans people how are we going to get the message that every single one of them can rally behind the most carefully neutral the most soulless message we can possibly tell it's kind of the opposite of what we learn in our playwriting class something our um first year professor max Max said that was really profound hi max rubin hi max rubin um one of the things he said that I think it was extremely impactful to me as a young writer was this idea that specificity banks universality. Mm-hmm. And the more specific you can get with your stories, the more people it can touch, the more like emotionally resonant it can be. And I think Disney does the exact opposite mm-hmm. with their stories. They're like, how can we be as ambiguous as possible so it touches as many people as possible? Which is why I think they got this actress who's, like, pretty, mm-hmm. who's pretty pretty. She's pretty pretty. And she's, like, not great at acting, but she's not bad at acting. She's, like, a pretty carefully neutral person. And, like, every single choice that they've made in this movie feels like the most neutral choice they could have made about anything. And it feels like that sentiment rings through all of their remakes they're too afraid of making any bold artistic choices they're too afraid of making any bold writing choices they're too afraid of making any bold acting choices because they want to get the entire world to watch their movies there are some amazing east asian directors who like have very specific style and like I can only imagine, like, how cool this movie would have been had they chosen, like, a very cool Chinese director who's like, okay, well, we're gonna give this movie a personality in a way that these remakes kind of don't have personality. I feel like the themes of the original movie are not earned in this version. I never felt the stakes of anything. When the swelling of the orchestral version of Reflection is playing, I feel nothing. Like, absolutely not a thing. And it reminded me, I watched Jurassic Park at a drive-in on Saturday, which was, like, so lovely. But I remember, like, hearing the Jurassic Park theme for the first time and then thinking about Jurassic World and, like, the time when they play the Jurassic Park theme song in Jurassic World is it's overlooking, like, a theme park. Not dinosaurs and not, like, the magical, absolutely insane idea of getting to see a dinosaur in real life it's like 
basically a Disneyland is what you're looking at. And then like the swelling music like that again, it's like a situation where that that choice is not earned. Like there's no stakes in this story and I don't feel anything for these characters because they cared more about like slapping a bunch of East Asian actors in a movie and then being like, okay, here you go. Like take it. Like we're culturally accurate now, but there's nothing that's like different about this version that like warrants its existence and and there's nothing like this would have been like the perfect opportunity to give east asian actors a platform but i think if anything it's kind of just gonna fall into an obsolete place very soon if it hasn't already i kind of just want to talk about like how i believe that og mulan is better at cultural representation because it wasn't trying to be good at it i think my cap to bitch how is that this is the most useless movie of all time (laughs) it's so useless i think like the one thing i'll say cultural authenticity is tourism like the way we stage authenticity is inherently tourist it's inherently colonialist um the act of like staging yourself as the most authentic version of something is to appeal to um a culture that's not your own and i think it's stupid and i think that like the way 1998 mulan gets around this is by reflecting specific parts of the culture that they reflecting (laughs) reflecting um specific parts of the culture that they understand i feel like i'm i'm still impressed because i literally watched og mulan right after to feel something literally (laughs) i was so sad so i i like watched the original and the second like reflection was playing i felt like all the same things you brought up about like when will my reflect like uh like the original like understands its place i think in explaining certain aspects of chinese culture and then like steps off for the rest of it so that it can tell a story about like a badass woman who who is not she was one of the first like disney princesses to not be european she is voiced by ming na wen who actually has a cameo in the live action and sung by leah salonga they should have just casted leah salonga even though she's too old but so like it feels akin to the way in which, like, Hercules uses gospel music to, like, fuse the narratives together in the same way that, like, Mulan uses, like, 80s music and, like, synth and, like, Stevie Wonder to create a world that is China but is also, like, okay, we're not gonna, like, tell you that, like, this is exactly one specific part of China and we're just telling you this really awesome story about this woman and there are aspects of the culture that are represented well. I think that it talks about, like, honor and discipline and what it means to, like, strive for this part of you that is that is longing to be individual but then having to fit within, like, the cultural confines of, like, what your family is asking of you. If anything, I think, and and I think that the reason, like, it wasn't, taken super well in china in 98 is because this movie fuses western and eastern values and i don't know an east asian american person that doesn't fuck with mulan and if anything mulan 1998 is about diaspora take a shot shot. but literally like it i think it like explains it in a way where both of these perspectives and values are honored in a specific way and i think that like they don't fuck up each other if anything like because we have a lot of There's so much right now about, like, the ways in which individualism is screwing America so hard right now because people just won't wear a goddamn mask because we're so centered on our individual values. Um, And I just think that this movie, 98 Mulan, like, just can, it, like, lets both of these mindsets exist and then doesn't give you a conclusion about what was best for Mulan in any specific moment because she figures out what's right for her at the end. And it's kind of a fusion of both. Yeah. And that's it. Diaspora. Diaspora. (laughs) Is it time for bitch time? I think it's time for bitch time. And go. Okay, there's a crater on Venus called the Huamulan <laughs> Crater, and I think that's cool. My, I'm writing a poem about Venus, the planet, for my sister, and so I thought that this was neat. Stop, that's so cute. Um, I don't like that. The, I think they stripped the inherent homoeroticism from this movie. Yeah. And I think we deserve Dude, it. Dude, I wanted, I liked seeing Shang be confused and be like, do I want to fuck this man? Like, like they, 
bisexual legend. He's a bisexual icon, and they took him away, and that's unfair. Um, I think Mulan, there's this, okay, so I was listening to this podcast called Myths and Legends that a special person sent to me um and and we were talking about and it talks about like there's this there's this line in it that is like mulan is supremely confident in who she is and what she needs to do and she wears silken armor with the same amount of confidence and she'll like she'll beat your ass in battle and then make you tea after and i just was like that's so funny i just think it's cute um and i just wish that what was i what I was listening to a song that was that was called She's the Hottest Girl at the Party and She Can Prove It with a Mean Right Hook. Oh my god. And that's what that reminds that's me That's literally, of. that's what Mulan is. Anyway, um, watch, okay, I'm just gonna say that the fighting sequences in Mulan are really bad and they're like filmed at a high frame rate and I feel like it's going for like a crouching tiger hidden dragon uh sort of thing but anyway just watch crouching tiger hidden dragon instead watch hero watch shadow watch um the house of flying daggers uh for other like really cool east asian stories watch the handmaiden which is gay as fuck uh watch old boy if you're a child don't watch if you're a child don't watch the handmaiden but like the grow up and then watch the handmaiden uh watch old boy same director and also like i guess uh watch kung fu panda and Stan Wendy Wu Homecoming Warrior. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? Let's review that movie. Enough of these movies that people know. Um, We'll only review Oh, and then in the poem, Mushu. So, so, so it talks about the emperor. Sorry, it talks about the son of heaven, which is a dragon. And so people are like, oh, well, the phoenix makes more sense because it's it's more um, tied to empresses. But, like, I I feel like the poem references a dragon, so, like, maybe it should have been a dragon. Anyway, I just think that, like, all these changes were fucking stupid. And that's it. And that's the time. Uh, Mulan pegs, but only 1998. Mulan oh, pegs. yeah. 2020 Mulan? Does not She doesn't peg. peg, and she would, like, stare at you blankly the entire time. She, like, fakes orgasms. She does. She yeah. totally fakes orgasms. It's bitch why time. It's time for the impact of Mulan. What's going on in the world relating to this movie? The tea is overflowing the pot. I was talking to our friend Jason, who's just like such a sweetheart. Um, and he sent me screenshots Hi, of one of his group chats conversations, and someone in it was like should we let politics affect the this production's success? And, like, should we as East Asian people go out of our way to support the movie, even if we don't agree with the actress's opinions? Like, should we have to separate art from its creators so that, like, people understand that it's financially viable to make all East Asian stories? And I think that this is kind of akin to the, the conversation we had around Black Panther. I mean, and of course, Black Panther was, like, worthy of all the support. I would argue that this this 2020 Mulan is not but like should we have to make sure that it does well in order for other East Asian stories that are much more important to get told yeah I don't know well first of all the background behind the like the various controversies surrounding this movie is the leading actress Yi Fei these like absolutely roast me yeah, on the pronunciation tell us if we're incorrect it's good for my character <clears throat> yeah um but she she famously tweeted um in support of the Hong Kong police in their like violence against the Hong Kong mm-hmm. protesters. And then there's been a more recent controversy surrounding the making of this movie in relating to the fact that it was filmed in the I am again gonna butcher this pronunciation, but it's Xi Xiang. I think that's po- province right. or region. Um which is where the Chinese government has um, um, established their concentration some camps where they're keeping Muslim people. concentration camps. Hmm. And then they also like released like Disney released like a thank you, like thank you for letting us like film here. And Disney was like collaborating with the Chinese police at the same time as they were like working in these regions. So there's been a lot of controversy surrounding Disney's alignment with the Chinese government in relation to the mm-hmm. making of this movie, especially with the leading actress. And 
um, you might see the hashtag going around about boycotting Mulan, um, which brings us to the question Jason and his friends are asking about, like, what do we need to give this movie in order to promote representation um, while acknowledging that the production of this is, like, extremely unethical? This is such a problem with the way that we market to the the Chinese movie going audience now. Like that's an that's another like huge reason why remakes exist is because when Star Wars was coming out, we as a, like America never made the box office money of like Star Wars. So since like they're open to the Chinese market, um Disney and like huge uh, like other huge film corporations like will market to to China and and that like that's why you'll see like this new Chinese actor in the Fast and Furious movies he was put in like specifically so that like Chinese audiences would like go see it um like there's just a lot of like weird little changes that they make to like to to make sure that because I think like China only takes like 20 movies from the U.S. a year or something, so there's a lot of competition to get into that market as well. That's neither here nor there. They're trying to make money from this specific place, and if they have an actress who supports the protests, it's not going to do well in China. But the fact that she there's an actress who supports the who doesn't support the protests that won't do well in the U.S. So it's kind of like Disney d- deciding to align itself wherever the money is. And you've already, we've already seen, like, it's done really well overseas. I think it's was $200 million to make. Um, and it already has, like, surpassed the release of a lot of other Disney remakes. Like, it's already done, like, 6% better than Cinderella in the United Arab Emirates. Um, and then, yeah, like, their opening numbers are, are like, skyrocketing. Um, so I feel like I can only feel like that's that's like a main reason why they they've decided to align themselves in this way and i'm not making any excuses i just think that it's stupid and bad i think if anything we as an audience have a responsibility specifically not to uplift this movie not to uplift any disney movies and to uplift movies made by east asian people for east asian people with east asian people we can't sink our money into corporations like disney because they are never going to make the kind of stories that we need. The only thing Disney gains from quote-unquote legitimate representation and like valuable representation is a paycheck. And so they're never going to do anything that is meaningful without an enormous amount of financial stipend. And it's not worth it. We deserve better. And and that's the problem with Disney being a monopoly and having a monopoly on children's movies is that, like, people are forced to make these, like, ethical calls, like, should I support this movie because it's got East Asian people in it and I want there to be movies with East Asian people in it. No, you shouldn't support this movie because it was made by fucking Disney <laughs> and Disney doesn't give a fuck about you. Watch Kubo and the Two Strings. Yeah. Which is by Laika and they're, like, a much smaller uh, animated film company and they, like, make some beautiful work. You don't get Asian American filmmakers directing movies that have budgets of like hundreds of millions of dollars unless they've made really good 10 million dollar movies and really good 20 million dollar movies so like you don't like we need to be uplifting indie filmmakers who are East Asian like Lulu Wang who did The Farewell like unfortunately that movie was not on the radar of like the Academy Awards or whatever. But the fact that, like, Bong Joon-ho won for Parasite means that, like, he will get to be making movies forever now and feel, like, no sort of, like, monetary financial stress, at least in the U.S. Like, he already was, like, making amazing movies um, uh, outside of the U.S. But, like, like, we need to be supporting those people. I think the fact, like, again, it's just... It's unfortunate because I think that, like, had they hired a East Asian, like, an all-East Asian team behind the scenes, like, these problems wouldn't have happened. But they're not proactive enough to do that. Yeah. Anyway, like, 15% of the top-grossing movies uh, in 2019 had casts that were less than 11% filled with minority actors. Cast South Asian people, cast East Asian people in your movies. Uh, hire POC directors. Um, they'll make your movies better. Literally, just do it. 
It's so the easy. The only, like, saving grace, I guess, of the Avengers movies is Taika got to make Jojo Rabbit. That's the only, but that's the only yeah. person I can think of that's, like, gone on to make something, like, that was a passion project. But there are so many other movies that have, like, all, are mostly people of color behind their creative team. And, like, just do your research. Like, uplift these movies that deserve it. And, and like, Boycott Mulan. Like, actually, Boycott Mulan. Um, it's really just bad. It's not worth your two hours. It's really not. We'll probably post a bunch of movies by East Asian oh my God. Um, creative teams as your alternative to watching Mulan. I wanted to like kind of close Bitch Why with like this quote from the original poem that I think like reflects how this movie failed. And I think something that this movie didn't get out of the poem. It's about gender. And it's basically when Mulan comes home to her village, she like reveals that she was a woman this whole time. And everyone's like, what the fuck? That's fucked up. And she (laughs) says, most people tell the gender of a rabbit by its movement. The male runs quickly while the female often keeps her eyes shut. But when the two rabbits run side by side, can you really discern whether I am a he or a she? And that's sexy of her. It's so funny to me that the OG movie kind of takes all of those the all of the feelings I had reading the poem were all the same feelings I had watching the original animated version and I had none of those feelings watching this new one it's time for the bitch meter it's time for the bitch meter it's time for the bitch meter bitch meter let's stop appropriating British people is it appropriation this is reparations for yeah, I this is reparations for me. I get to for t- you as an Indian person and me as an Irish person. T, chai. It's time for the bitch meet. Uh, it's time for the bitch meet. Uh, um, <laughs> it's our score for movies. Kaya, what did we give it for queer? We gave it a minus one because of everything we already said. Yeah, and for bait. And for bait, um, for gender, we gave it a 2.5 because I feel like all of the turfy elements outweigh the the fact that it's uh, the movie is like headed by a woman. So 2.5 for gender because it's a halfway point. For race, it gets a five. It's an all East Asian cast. What more can we ask for? Yeah, I guess. I mean, whatever. Um, disability. Well, there are other things we can ask for, but that's one thing you're... we can ask for. <laughs> for disability, we gave it an NA. Uh, it doesn't really say anything about disability, so. For body positivity, we gave it our customary minus one for an entirely slim cast. Please cast a fat person in anything. For a dollar, please cast a person that has the body type that of not a Barbie doll. Okay. For class, we also gave it an NA because this movie uh, is not nuanced enough to say anything about class. This movie has the emotional depth of a teaspoon. Did you just quote Harry Potter? I really a bitch did. Why? <laughs> also, I think I misquoted it. We are only misquoting Harry Potter from now on because Joanne is a turf. Um, that was my one, Joanne. <laughs> I already For used the- mine. Yeah, we you really did. So all in all, that's a six point five out of ten. And then when you take into account the two minus ones, it's a four point five out of ten, which is uh, just feels correct. It's right, and we are right. Time for Harris's hot take. Hi, Harris. Hello, wonderful Hello. people. Hello. Um, we are talking about Mulan today because uh, huh? we watched oh. the 2020 version. Tell me all your feelings. Um, I love the original Mulan because okay. many reasons, uh, including Leia Salonga, who is just a wonderful oh. human being, <laughs> a wonderful singer. I just love her, and she's a Broadway star, and I am a gay <laughs> hag who just, like, will eat like the spit of Leia Salonga. So there's that. But the new one, I'm a little unsure about. See, I don't know, because the lead character is is a bad, like she supported uh, anti-democracy stuff. Yeah. But, but a movie is so much more than just one person. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if oh, well, what about her like co-stars that maybe don't support that and like they were involved in this big thing? And that's that's just something I think about when it's like just destroy this piece of art because there's a bad person in it who I don't know. I don't know. At what point at like what level of like control of a artistic media 
Um, is it like, oh, I can't watch this because this person has this opinion? Okay. Wow. Intriguing. That isn't, Gaia just said that's intriguing. Um, that's, you know, honestly. A suspiciously like, hot take. That's a very hot take, and um, that's not something we talked about, so I'm really glad that that thought process is being represented in this episode. Alright, stay safe and sexy. <laughs> you stay safe and sexy. Okay, oh, I love, you, I love him. Love Gaia you. says Bye. they love you. Okay, mwah. Bye. What a good boy. Amazing. Okay, Gaia, what are you working on? Um, I recently finished building a chicken cage, and now that I'm done with my chicken cage, I have been scraping beeswax out of empty bee frames so that I can make beeswax candles. And also a poem for my sister about the planet Venus. That's so cute. I can't- I- I better get to read this poem since your sister's, uh, my best friend. What are you working on? So the organization I'm working with, I'm a creative producer on it, and so I'm working on a few, uh, video series- things uh it's an organization it's called cac college association for artists of color and we're launching all of our stuff next within the next few weeks so there's a video series um very cool people are going to be featured on it you should go follow the instagram i'll put it in the show notes um if you're a student artist of color like this is for you uh by other student artists of color and you should go follow it and it'll be like a really cool space full of opportunities and ways to uplift everyone else in your community so like fucking go join it and like get involved that's what i'm working on oh delightful it is really it's really exciting like it's just cool it's so unfortunate that like all of the things that have happened in our world have happened the way they have but there's also some really just like interesting things i would not have been allowed to get involved in had it not so i don't really know what to say about that other than yeah i definitely wouldn't be making beeswax candles and we also we would not have started this podcast t shout out to covid19 not sponsored no (laughs) we're not sponsored by covid19 all right, you can follow me on Instagram at Gaia Rose River. <laughs> you can follow me at Nita underscore Thadani on Instagram and Twitter, T H A D A N I. You can follow the Bitch Why Podcast on at Bitch Why Podcast at Twitter and Instagram. And you can email at us at b.tchy at gmail.com. Please leave a review and rate us on iTunes. Special thanks to our co-producer and editor, Cameron, and our graphic designer, Jillian. You both are amazing, lovely human beings. And also to, like, Jason and Jocelyn and Alyssa. Yes, thank you to Jason and Jocelyn and Alyssa for, like, helping us out and sending us resources and just, like, talking to us. Uh, Y'all are amazing. Yay. Okay. Bye, bitches. Goodbye, bitches. Good night. Good night. Sleep tight. Don't let the bed bugs bite.